Welcome to the 52 Academy, a weekly podcast full of new ideas, mindset shifts, and interviews with successful small business owners that will get you thinking and growing your business week by week. I'm Laura K. Sheely. And I'm Emily K. Risch. You can find all episodes of the 52 Academy podcast on our website, 52academy.com, or anywhere podcasts are available. If you like what you're hearing, reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at the 52 Academy. Coming up, we'll be chatting with Nikki Heenick, a woman who has devoted her career to making the world a prettier place, one woman at a time. But first, let's dive into our weekly success principle. At the 52 Academy, we focus on one new sales or marketing tactic each week. This allows our students to clear the clutter and really focus on growth. This is the start of something amazing. Week one, we kick off with a great introduction or reintroduction of your business to the world. I love the term reintroduction, and I think that's so important here and now with the 52 Academy. Those who are listening and those students who are enrolled in the Academy, we are launching something new. It might be the business that you've owned for years, but we are reinvigorating this thing. So a reintroduction of your business, of your service to the market is really what we're talking about at this point. Think of this as a brand new adventure. It's really the best time to launch yourself to the next level. Even if you have been working on your business for many years, this is a chance to mindfully reflect on how you really want to be presented to your customers. And think about it this way. If you've been presenting yourself the same way over and over and over to these people, the results maybe have been good, but could they be better? Absolutely. So this is where the reintroduction, the new and improved is coming into play. So your introduction should have four goals. First, you want to draw attention to your vision. This isn't just about putting your brand out there or showcasing a product. This is ultimately showing people why it is that they should be connected to the vision that you have for your company. What's your story? What's your brand story? You also want to make sure that you're driving people to your web presence. With everything that you say and do, make sure your website is included and you're directing them to your social media accounts. Use this as an opportunity also to increase your social media following. We talk a lot at the 52 Academy about how you've got to build that audience before you can start whatever you're going to put on the stage. You need that audience. Remind them that you are here to help. This introduction is an opportunity to remind them of how your products and services are going to make their life better. So take some time this week to organize and energize. Draft a great introduction letter, email, or social media post. Use this time to kick off the next 52 weeks of growth. You're about to do something amazing. Welcome back to the 52 Academy podcast. The COVID-19 pandemic is dragging on. You know it, girl. And that means the need for video conferencing has continued to be a vital tool for conducting business. Today, we tackle a very important question. Is it really necessary to turn on your video feed? Or is audio enough? According to our friends at Zoom, Video conferencing is supposed to make us feel connected, like we're really there in real life, which I think is important in an age where we're all working remotely. 
We need to feel connected. We're all stuck at home. Now, I am pro-video. But Laura Kay, I know that you are not. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. I do a ton of video. But there are days when I do take advantage of the idea that I may not need to show this face to the world. However, it did recently bite me in the ass. I was invited to attend a Zoom call with the marketing team of an upcoming event where I was the keynote speaker. They scheduled the call to go through my presentation and any needs that I might have for the day. And I think they secretly wanted to get a good look at me prior to me going to the event. Check you out. Yes. When I logged on, I was not feeling well, so I decided to keep my video off. The whole meeting, everyone was on video except me. At one point, when they asked if I was having difficulty with the video, I said I was, when in reality, I was just not dressed and I didn't have my makeup on. The point is that they asked for a video meeting, and I did not follow through. This experience reminded me that when a meeting is set, the tone for how you should show up is also set. If they schedule a video meeting, they expect to see you. If someone says we can just have a call, then feel free to show up in your jammies. According to Zoom, here are the top excuses for why people do not turn on their video. Number one, I haven't done my hair. Or... I'm not dressed. Now, this was especially prevalent at the beginning of COVID when all the salons were shut down and no one could get their nails done. I have quite a few higher maintenance friends who have higher maintenance beauty routines, and things got grim. People had to take out their extensions. They couldn't get their hair colored, so they had big, dark roots. Nobody could get a spray tan. These were dark days. I had one friend who wouldn't even FaceTime with me because she didn't want me to see her without her extensions in. Thank God we have those beauty services back, or at least we've all figured out how to do our hair from home. <laughs> That's right. We have to get DIY in these dark times. The number two reason people don't want to turn on their video feed, they're not where they said they were going to be. Been there. So look, I mean, we're all working from home right now, but no one ever specified that we had to stay at our home. So as long as you have Wi-Fi, you could be at the beach. You could be at your mom's house. You know, you could literally be anywhere. I have a friend who frequently works from her boat at Lake of the Ozarks. And, you know, she's very responsive. She's answering emails. She makes it to all of her meetings. So aside from the fact that we're all jealous that she's sitting on her boat on a lake, it's business as usual. And I think that's great. I would agree. I think you can get work done from anywhere. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I am working. The third reason Zoom gives for people not logging into video is that no one else is using it. Nobody wants to be the lone face on a screen. But I encourage you to be a leader. Use this as an opportunity. You want to be the person everyone remembers out of that call. So turn on your video and everyone else will follow suit. I can tell you, Em, it's a total lesson learned. I will be video ready whenever I get these invites from this point forward. But let me also say that sometimes we see people shutting off their video because they are multitasking. Think about how you would approach each meeting as if you were doing it in person. I mean, would you really be folding laundry in the conference room of your next sales meeting? Probably not. Absolutely not. That's just super rude. So I read an article in Fast Company that gave me a few reasons why using your video is the ultimate COVID power move. How can you use this to your advantage? So the first thing that they mentioned in this article 
Video demonstrates responsibility. You're up. You're camera ready. You are dressed. You are ready to go and take on this day. This could possibly be why they wanted to see me if I was going to be the speaker at their main (laughs) event. So if you don't shower, you're not ready to go. You're not really giving off that impression of being competent and ready to take on the day. But when you turn your camera on, everybody knows you are ready to go. One of our girlfriends works in transportation, and she keeps a company shirt hanging in her home office. I think this is genius because every time she has to get on a video or a Zoom call, she just grabs that shirt puts it on, and no one's the wiser. She could have been hanging out in her jammies all day, but as soon as that call starts, she just grabs that polo and she's ready to go. It's brilliant. I always rock what I call my business mullet. So I'm business on the top and then I'm party on the bottom. So a button down, a cardigan, and then leggings. And then I always slap on some lipstick for good measure just because I think that makes me look more polished and it somehow gives the impression that I've made a big effort. I absolutely love the lipstick idea. I will be adding that to my monitor stand immediately. Video makes you memorable. Video makes you look confident. And video shows responsibility. You're up, you're camera ready, and you are ready for your day at work. So the bottom line here, if you want to kick ass and be a leader, turn on your video. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up on social media at The 52 Academy. We'll be right back with Nikki Heenick. Stick around. Okay, Emily, I am so excited for our very first podcast guest. When I first met this next guest, she was a true inspiration for me. She's the reason why I started writing the book and someone that I consistently think of when I think of business owners that might need just a little bit of help or a little bit of advice to significantly transform their business mindset. Joining us in studio today is Nikki Heenick, founder and creator of The Dollop Case. She is a makeup artist maven fully immersed in the world of high fashion, color, ink dyes, tinseled lashes, and girl-next-door skin. Nikki leads her team of makeup dolls to sell her own makeup line and beauty services both online and at the Pretty Lane Beauty Boutique. Nikki has taken her product to the highest levels of retail sales and been featured on Good Morning America. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we are so happy to have you. Let's just sort of get started at the beginning here. Tell us about Pretty Lane and Dollop Case and everything you've got going on in your growing beauty empire. Yes. So I'll kind of start at the beginning, share a little bit about my story, which I started out as a makeup artist. I've been doing makeup on people and for movies and for productions for about 20 years now. Um, I just love the beauty industry. I love the way that makeup helps people feel. And I just love everything about the beauty industry. So I have worked as a makeup artist, freelancing, as well as an esthetician. And I was working at a medical spa and still freelancing as a makeup artist. And I realized that I wanted to start a beauty business, but I always have wanted to have my own line. And I don't know why this started at like the age of eight. I specifically remember it. Like, I'm like, I'm going to have a beauty company someday. So I knew that I didn't just want to launch a beauty company because 
I wanted to have a reason. And I was kind of just exploring like, what is the reason, the mission of my beauty company? And I came up with the idea of inventing a makeup case. And that was when the dollop case was born. So just really briefly, the dollop case is this magnetic compact that holds your entire face in one little case. I was utilizing what I do in my own personal makeup kit, which is I depot makeup and I put it onto a magnetic palette so I can work off of a palette. And I felt like everyday women would love this idea of using their makeup on a palette. So simplifying the makeup routine. So I launched the dollop case and I had really great success. We were distributed all over the United States. So we launched in Von Mar stores and 35 stores. We got international distribution. Actually, I was doing trade shows and then we started getting a lot of press. So we were on Good Morning America. We were in Time Magazine, in Real Simple Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, and just having a lot of success. But actually behind the scenes, there was a lot not going well. And of course, I've learned now having the company four or five years that this is definitely a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey and it's okay not to have it all figured out, but there's so many things that go wrong. But I think really what you have to carve out is the things that you're doing right and stick with those. But anyway, along with the journey, I also decided that I wanted a makeup company. So makeup that goes inside of the dollop case. I realized really quickly, like we might be a one hit wonder here. We have a case and we have nothing else to go with it. So launched a makeup case. We have a beautiful all natural mineral makeup line that you can customize your makeup look into the case. And then I also launched a separate company, Pretty Lane, that is a makeup boutique to really fulfill this desire that I wanted to interact with everyday customers. And I launched this idea that we would host makeup classes because what I heard from women every day was, I don't know how to do my makeup. And people would say, well, they can just watch YouTube. And I would kind of push back and say, 85% of women are not passionate about makeup. They literally don't spend their time watching YouTube. They don't care. And they're not really even flipping through magazines. They're just doing the things that they care about, the things they love, their job, their families. And they just really want somebody to tell them how to do their makeup from an expert and move on. So we created around Pretty Lane this idea that you could host a makeup class with your besties and come in and be taught by a makeup artist how to do your makeup. I love this. In fact, as you know, Nikki, because I I think I might have bought one of the first dollop cases. Remind me, what year did you start? 2015. So it's been five years. I remember when I bought my first case. Of course, I absolutely fell in love. And then I bought it for everyone for Christmas that year. And when I first bought the case and you said, you know, yeah, you just depod your makeup. So I went home and tried to figure that out. Didn't happen. And then when you launched the makeup line, it was amazing because everything went together. And I'm a traveler, so I have to have things that are, you know, very compact and easy to go. But I didn't realize that it's actually just been about five years. I mean, in me watching you, I feel like this has been going on for 20 years at least, it seems like. But the amount of progress that you've had just in the five-year period of time has been amazing. So high fives to that. Thank you. Yeah. Now, let me take it back for just a second. Good morning, America. 
How was that experience? Actually, the case got featured on Good Morning America, but I had to sit in the wings and watch the case take center stage. Oh, I was, man. Right. I was like, just take me on. I've always wanted to be on Good Morning America. No, I've had some amazing things happen throughout the journey. I am naturally somebody who is really good at public relations. So I simply just started calling those companies. So we got a full feature color spread in Real Simple Magazine. And it's a value of like $300,000 of, of an entire full page. And somebody was like, how did you do it? And I was like, I literally called the beauty editor, like yeah. on the phone. So you just cold called yes. real simple. And you were like, hey, Nikki Hinek here. I've got this amazing product. Pretty sure you need to check it out. Let me shoot you some samples. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it's it was in a time that like they were going to, they probably don't even have telephones there anymore, but like the office phone probably didn't ring because everybody, every editor picked it up and was like, uh, uh hello? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think they're used to getting landline phone calls. So that is so vibrant to me because- we think about that oftentimes, you know, as small business owners or individual salespeople, and we get ourselves all wrapped up in our head about these people are probably busy or they're not going to listen to me or I'm not relevant enough, when in reality, their phone may not even be ringing. And we could be that one call that day that they pay attention to. So why not take the risk? Yes, exactly. And the editor actually said to me, she's like, I'm so glad you called. We do so many stories on New Yorkers, East Coast people, West Coast people. But she's like, it's so beautiful to see something coming from the Midwest. We have a lot of readership in the Midwest and nobody's covering stories there. So that was a good moment. But I can't remember her name, but I literally told her, I was like, I'm going to name my first child after you if I ever have kids. <laughs> because thank you for this. I mean, just to just that experience. So that's awesome. I will also say that um, when I come into your boutique, everything about the brand is on point. Um, you know, the color schemes, the dolls, the way that when I receive my makeup in the mail, I get a handwritten note. When I sent Emily to the boutique yesterday to have the experience, I kept saying to her, Make sure you figure out how to go to the bathroom. I am not kidding. She told me like five times before I went to go in this bathroom. And I was like, Okay. It's because the bathroom is even on brand. Right. Even I'm the fascinated. bathroom is perfection. Dear listeners, I'm going to try and paint you a picture here. So when you walk into Pretty Lane, it is this gorgeous oasis of sort of the most soothing peachy pink color you could imagine. And everything coordinates and it's beautiful and glamorous and you feel suddenly sort of fancier just being there. And so I saunter my way back to the bathroom thinking... I don't know what Laura Kay is talking about, but obviously this is going to blow my mind. And it sort of did, right? It's like rugs on the floor that match this amazing botanical wallpaper and the back of the door. I took a picture of it, Nikki, which is a little embarrassing to admit here, but I took a picture because there's this great quote on the back of the door to the restroom. Like literally you you thought of every space and every moment of a customer's experience in your store that even going to the bathroom is an event. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's funny because when you rent a space, so I rent this out, I you get, you know, the pre-done bathroom and it was really hideous. And I was like, okay, I have to dress this up, but I can't rip up the tile. I can't afford to. And so I just tried to do what I could. So I appreciate that. The thing that really strikes me about it is I got to imagine that you have to spend some time really being mindful about how you want to present everything, you know, whether that be 
sitting down and just envisioning what it would be like for a customer to walk into the space or what's it going to be like when somebody comes out to their mailbox and gets their foundation palette for the first time? Uh, What does it feel like when they come on and read all of the information on the website? And so talk to us a little bit about how do you mastermind that whole experience for your customers? First, I really pick the narrative for who our customer is and what I want them to experience. So just walking through that journey of what is that emotion that I want them to feel when they interact with our products, either at a wholesale, a salon that we sell to, through the mail, or even coming into the store. So just walking through that and thinking through that and creating a strategy around it. The second thing is thinking about the emotions that you want to evoke. So I chose this really peachy pink color because I wanted it to feel warm and sunny and inviting, but yet really girly and feminine and pretty. So just thinking through the colors and, you know, even movement through the store like we did a neon sign because I wanted someone to feel like they wanted to whip out their phone and maybe even grab a picture. And thinking through that we are so connected by social media and we take so many pictures and, you know, that's free advertising if someone's like, oh, I'll grab a quick picture because this is beautiful. I'm standing here under the sign. So just think about those Instagrammable moments This mm-hmm. is something that was really important for me as well. What was that moment where you were, you know, maybe as a, a makeup artist or as, you know, you thought, I can do better or I can bring a better product to market? How, like, what was the moment where you thought, I'm going to take the leap and really go for this? I am a risk taker by nature. And I think that you have to evaluate yourself when you're going to take a leap into owning a business, but I just naturally am a risk taker. So I didn't have a long pause. I was like, today I'm doing this and that's it. I was just all in. I didn't really lament over it. My husband by nature is not. So he's like, really, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm inventing a makeup case and I'm launching this brand. So Let's woo, let's get let's go. I think you really have to sit down and think about what your values are. And what I mean by values are if you value security or you're someone who you don't do well under pressure, if things are going to go bad because they're going to go bad, um, then maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you. But I just knew that I was ready because it's my nature. I just have this um, persevering nature. I do really, really well in chaos. I love a big challenge and I love problem solving around it. And then the other part was I saw white space in the market. I had evaluated what companies were doing. I didn't like that makeup comes in packaging. Plastic compacts that are in makeup bags makes it to our landfills later. I was approaching it in that way as well. Like, what can I do to overcome this packaging waste? I hate throwing away these compacts. And then just thinking about simplifying too, simplifying everyday lives by providing a customized look that is all in one place. So I think that if you're thinking about starting a company, you really should talk to other entrepreneurs. I've talked to many people that are like on, you know, the first step and they're like, yep, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to hire a manager to like manage all my things. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. No, you're (laughs) going to be like in it every single day. And it's going to be from midnight to midnight every single day. And you have to really think about that if that's going to fit into your lifestyle. One of the things I think a lot of people struggle with when they're starting either their you know, business or they're you know, coming into a sales type of a mentality is we fail to, to see 
how important it is to think like a chief executive officer. You know from the very beginning you're it's going to be gritty. You're going to have to be in it. You're going to have to be hustling. But you've also got to separate yourself at times so that you can see the bigger picture. Tell me how you've kind of evolved to that, because I know just starting with creating the product, but now being in a place where you have to oversee the whole thing is a much different place. Absolutely. Getting to that point where I can be the visionary has been the most freedom I've felt since starting the company. And I see why people hire CEOs for their company almost immediately if they can afford it because being a founder is very different than being a CEO. In my opinion, CEOs are really great at like keeping what you've built together and orchestrating where you're moving. But as a founder, I'm really, really good at the creativity and being the visionary. But when you're starting a business, you cannot do that. You have to like do the everyday things. I still do makeup every single day, but that takes me away from thinking about what needs to be done in two years. I would say as an entrepreneur, you want to spend your time and you should be spending your time on strategy for what's coming next year in two years because you need that. You need a captain of the ship like telling you where to keep the direction moving. And I would read things all the time like, don't work in your business, work on your business. And I'm like, but how? Right. How do you pull yourself a little bit back and get that little bit of space? Because 12 hours a day, I'm in the business. So when am I doing on the business? (laughs) It's very difficult, but I've finally reached that um, place and it's a a really good spot. I wish I probably could have did it earlier. I think we would have had a lot more growth. I'm seeing that the growth that is coming out of being able to have a team in place and then myself working on that creative. So important. So at 52 Academy, we build a community for entrepreneurs, business owners, salespeople who are looking to grow their business, their product sales, and so on and so forth. And we know that having like-minded individuals to bounce ideas off of or share best practices with is incredibly beneficial. Who do you rely on? Who do you turn to? And what kind of support groups are you a part of? I joined a founders group with other like-minded individuals, probably one of the first months that I launched my company. That has probably been the most beneficial thing I've done for my company, seriously, because I was so alone in this journey. And you can read books And you can listen to podcasts, but having real life interaction with other people that are going through the same things and they're just validating and affirming that it is totally normal to have this happen or this happen. It was the best thing. And I'm still part of the groups today. It's really, really valuable. I would say that I'm not where I am today if I wasn't part of these groups. I remember going into some of the meetings just feeling so defeated. For example, we were selling on shop at home and we had sold a ton of product. And then all of a sudden I got this big return that I wasn't counting on. Like, what do you do? And then you ask people like friends and they're just like, oh man, that's so sad. Like, I'm sorry about that. But the founders get it. They're like, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do next time. Here's what you're going to do now. They just have these pearls of wisdom because they have walked through it. Even though they're maybe in a food distribution company or somebody's in a wine company, they still get it at every stage. And so every founder actually has a pretty similar journey from managing employees and growing the business. It's all really the same. So just being able to hear 
firsthand, like, okay, I'm not alone. This is totally normal. There are so many times that I wanted to quit. So many. And I would talk to my friends and they're like, yeah, maybe you should quit. <laughs> Thanks, that's, that's horrible. Right. That Not is very yeah. good cheerleaders. No, there. no, like you're right. Like that is awful. But the founders are like, no, this is every day. This is normal. This is normal that you just lost all of that income and got a huge return. Like keep moving on. So just understanding that we're just wired differently and we need to speak to those people and be affirmed by those people that are wired like us. Yes. Now, have there been, you know, obviously in the life of any business owner, business founder, there are those moments where you think, oh, my God, this is not working or this is a huge challenge. What do you say to yourself in those moments to help power through? This happens all of the time because you're just you're really it's a blank book and you're writing it and then you get to a part where like it isn't working. What do you do? And I think that is the tenacity of a founder. Like you have to have the answer. And there are so many nights that I've talked to my husband. I'd be like, I don't have the answer. I don't. And he would say, because he also has a business, he would say, but that's the that's where you're going to find what really needs to be done is because you're you're really low right now. You're down here. You need to figure that out. Looking back at all the failures and listen, I don't want to sign up for failures like I hate it, but things have failed and it is legitimately where I've grown the most. So now when something's not working, I kind of go back to the original plan and I'm like, okay, why isn't this working? I'd love to do recreational thinking, just like phones off. I really do a lot of recreational thinking during like shower time. I know that sounds so funny, but it's like, where can I just think through this? Just knowing that through the struggle, I will find the answer and just relying on myself that, okay, I will get through this because I've, I, I know how to get through this now. Now, recreational thinking is a phrase I am not familiar with. I am definitely familiar with it. I will say I don't think recreational so much in the shower all the time, but I definitely get a huge thought pattern going when I'm going for a walk or I'm on a bike ride or I'm doing something or I'm moving my body. In fact, when I recently went on my writing retreat, this was a huge thing for me because I got up every morning, I went for a very long walk or a hike, and the whole time I was out there, all of these different ideas would start flowing, things would start connecting for me. I could have been in the deepest writer's block before I went on that walk, and I would come back with like 10 book ideas just by getting my body moving. And there's actually some psychology around it. And we talk about it a little bit in the book as well. Yes. And I think for me, it, it comes in the shower because A, I cannot take my phone in the shower and there's like <laughs> no technology. And B, I think because it's in a routine, like I'm just doing something that's on autopilot, but I'm able just to be like still in my thoughts. And that's very rare. And even in the car, I'll get into some really good thinking patterns. And then like someone calls or I want to turn on a podcast. So I think it's like the one place that I'm not distracted. And if I have enough willpower on a walk, definitely like doing something too. But most of the time I have my phone. So I have to really, you know, be intentional about like put it away because that's so easy for me to like grab a picture, listen to a podcast, call a friend. So if you were to go back, if we were to say, okay, here is Nikki on day one, everything that you know today, what would be the advice that you would give yourself 
knowing what you know today? Some very, very, very practical things. First of all, I would create a community without having a product. I had a product. I made it out of like a gut intuition, but then I kind of had to create this community around it. And I think going back, I would have created it initially. I would create a community that maybe followed me, followed my lifestyle and the things that I were naturally doing and the things that I were naturally talking about. Because I think if I had a community already built, then I could launch a product to that community. Sure. Rather than having this product and hoping I built a community of people. Like, you know, at the time, I didn't even know if people felt the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. So I think that I would have um, also used social media more. I was like using it as a tool for myself, but really realizing how much I would use it in the future for the business. But again, starting that community on social media and carving that out. So that's a practical thing. Of course, people launch products all the time with no community, but I just think like honing that story too. Again, it was about the product at the beginning and not our story and that storytelling. Um, I didn't think a lot about the emotions people would have and what they would be connecting to. Again, it was just so product central. Um, three, I would not do what all other companies do when they launch something. So I did all of the things that everybody else had done before me. So I went to trade shows. I contacted Nordstrom. I contacted Sephora. I did all of the things. And you know what I felt like looking back is I just did what was like expected of me or what I thought the industry wanted. And I, I would say those were the most ineffective things that I did to, to date. But those times that I became really innovative, I probably had the most success with. I recently had a conversation with somebody who was struggling to sell um, health and wellness products. And they said to me, I said, are you, are you selling on Amazon? They're like, no, 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 no. In our industry, selling on Amazon is really frowned upon. And I said, do you buy on Amazon? Oh, yeah, I buy all of my stuff on Amazon. Okay, so you buy all of your things on Amazon because you're a busy woman. <laughs> right, but you're not Which, going to put your own product out there right. for people like you to purchase. And she said, yes, but that's because like in our industry, and I said, who cares about your industry? If you got your product on Amazon and you're selling like $10,000 a day on Amazon, why would you care what the industry thought of right. you? Right, step right. out of the lane. Yes. It's okay. So I started my business wanting, I think it was like a Midwest complex for me or being from Iowa. I wanted to do what everybody who I thought was really successful was doing. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to emulate them. But really, I have some really different skills than everyone has. And so I think earlier on, I wish I would have just really been confident in those skills and not did what everybody else did. And even, you know, instead of doing a wholesale model, just going direct to consumer. Why not? But I was like, no, everybody goes through Sephora, like everybody. And then you have a company called Glossier that comes along and they do all direct to consumer and they don't even care about the middleman. So doing things like that differently um, and holding on to things that I wouldn't let go early on, like, no, we will do five trade shows a year because that's what we need to do. I love the idea that you're willing to step out of the lane all the time. I know I find when I'm working with a lot of salespeople that they are so stuck in following 
the line of, like you said, people that have gone before you or even people that they're running side by side with. And they don't realize that if you're just trying to sell the same product that everyone else is or the way everyone else is, you're not going to be seen any differently in the marketplace. So it's huge, I think. I think, too, telling a story earlier on, I really wanted to not be an Iowa girl. And I know that sounds funny. Now I fully embrace it. But again, like I didn't tell my true story. The brand is me in a sense. And I wanted people to connect with my brand, but not with me. And so I've really been intentional, you know, in the last few years of like bringing my characteristics or my ethos through the company, because really it is brand is me, not not necessarily me as the spokesperson, but just like the things that I care about. And I didn't tell that story either early on. And I think a brand story is so, so important. And having, you know, that mission statement and, and what you want to do early on. And it's hard because you don't know where to spend all your time when you're first launching. You're like, you're just I'm trying to sell product and I'm trying to make money on it. And, I, you know, but really putting in those principles and looking for those resources that help you carve that out. And I'm pretty thrifty. Like I do most things myself. Looking back, I wish I would have spent more money on things like building a team and maybe even working with somebody who could have helped me like carve out those stories and some of those things that I was missing early on. So I would definitely take money that I had and spend it differently too. Definitely, you know, reading resources, reading books, being part of communities that would help lift me up, even though I, I thought that, oh, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't know. And you, you need access to resources for sure. I'm sure everyone listening to this episode right now is going, okay, I love her and now I need the makeup. So how do we find the product? How do we find the store? All of it. Our store, The Pretty Lane, is downtown Cedar Rapids, and we are on all socials, so Pretty Lane, Pretty Lane Official, Instagram, Facebook, and then we have a website, theprettylane.com. So if you're local, I would love for you to come in because that is really the experience. You can come in, get a case customized, makeup customized to you. We are still doing makeup parties, even though... C-19 is still going on. We're doing it just a little differently in smaller um, groups, but we are still doing makeup and private appointments. And then we also do facials and chemical peels and lash lift and tint. So all the spa services, one-on-one appointments at Pretty Lane. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us here today. This has been just a real treat for us. And thank you to all of you, our 52 Academy podcast listeners. If you want to join the next cohort of the 52 Academy, please head over to 52academy.com to apply for our next session. Thanks again, Nikki. It was so awesome to have you in studio. Thank you so much. I love chatting and I can't wait to listen to your podcast. All of the ideas, comments, and strategies presented on the 52 Academy podcast are independently presented by Laura K. Sheely and Emily K. Rish. There is no affiliation with their employers or any other business networking groups. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.